at the top of many of the lists of why people choose to become entrepreneurs is the ability to pursue a passion, independence and autonomy, financial potential, the flexibility and work-life balance that it may afford. Well, we'll have another conversation about the work-life balance and the desire to make a difference. All of those are reasons I decided to launch a business. Um, but there are three reasons that I have to say I enjoy the most. And what are those three? They are uh, pursuing a passion, flexibility, and of course, financial potential. So some of you are aware that I own a grant compliance uh, consulting firm. And if you're wondering if grant compliance is my passion, um, I can say it is not. Um, however, it is a skill, a knowledge base and expertise I developed over the years. I do enjoy helping organizations navigate the complexities of regulations and guidance and all of these other things that impact their, you know, sometimes multi-million dollar grants. But my true passion is, of course, travel, not just travel, but travel and cultural immersion. I've been really intentional about integrating my passion into my entrepreneurial journey. Um, and so far I've been to seven countries and visited two of them more than once over the three and a half years that I've been in business. So during this episode, I'm going to share a bit about my experience in each country. Um, that's what we're going to really get into during this episode of the age has no limit podcast. We're going to talk about my solo and other travel adventures as an entrepreneur. And I'll just give you some insight into the way I've been able to merge the two to really try to uh, live a no limit life. And of course, that's what we're promoting on this podcast. So stay tuned to the show. Tell your friends about it. And of course, subscribe. It's the Age Has No Limit podcast. We're here to show and prove that your age shouldn't prevent you from designing and living the life you want. I'm your host, Patrice Davis. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Age Has No Limit podcast. We're going to start with my first trip. Uh, I started my grant consulting firm in January, 2020. And by May, 2021, I like everyone else was, you know, over being stuck in the house and all of the things that the pandemic brought with it. And so I decided to test my ability to run my business, host meetings and complete deliverables from a villa on a beautiful Caribbean island. So um, it was an island I'd wanted to visit for several years, and that island was St. Lucia. I chose it for several reasons. I would wanted to climb Gros Piton, uh, which I did, uh, two hours up and two hours down. Um, and of course, I wanted to stay at Hotel Chocolat, which is also known as Robot Hotel. Um, I was able to do that as well. I wanted to take a dip in the Sulphur Springs mud bath. I was able to do that while I was in St. Lucia. And I also wanted to visit the local market on a Saturday morning. I was also able to do that. And I was accompanied by the hotel chef and assistant chef. So for those of you who don't know, I have a dormant website called Sea Currents, seacurrents.com, S-E-E-C-U-R-R-E-N-T-S.com. It is dormant for now, but I would spend hours and then pay my children to also spend hours populating the website. Um, it was a searchable website of fantastic things to do on islands around the world, places to stay, festivals such as book festivals, wine festivals, food festivals, uh, you know, literary festivals, marathons on islands around the world, museums, and just other things to explore on islands around the world. 
And so while we were populating the data about St. Lucia, I learned about some of the festivals. I learned about the Pitons and about Derek Walcott, a St. Lucian who actually won the Nobel Prize for Literature in 1992. So I really, really was interested in exploring St. Lucia. I'd been to, I believe, two or three other Caribbean islands. St. Lucia was on my list. So St. Lucia is a small island, about 27 miles long and 14 miles wide. And it's, you know, north of the country of Venezuela. When I arrived, I stayed um, in Soufriere. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's on the southwestern side of the island. Um, and it was there that I learned that working while vacation wasn't difficult. In fact, it was actually possible. So each morning I enjoyed amazing leisurely breakfast at the Rabot restaurant. Uh, Robot restaurant. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And it has a stunning view of Petit Patan. Um, so there are two Patans on, um, on the island of St. Lucia. Gros Patan, the one with the wider base, um, and I believe it's not quite as tall. And then Petit Patan, which is much more narrower. Um, and so I was able to see that every morning from um, my, my table. And it was just wonderful to be able to experience that um, on that particular um, in, on that particular property because it was surrounded by lush vegetation. Um, it actually has, you know, several active farms. Um, it was just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, experience. Um, but after breakfast, you know, I would um, worked on client deliverables just like I did if I was in my home office. I hosted meetings and I even signed a new client while I was there. Um, so mission accomplished. I was able to learn that it is possible to work from anywhere. And that was the first of my work from anywhere adventure. The next opportunity to work from anywhere came in June, 2022, was it June? Yeah. June of 2022, when my younger daughter went to a study abroad program in Germany, the plan was that we would take her to Germany, get her settled. And then I, after she was settled would, you know, stay in Europe and explore other destinations. Uh, but let's talk about what I did when I was in Germany and how I was able to integrate some of those activities with, you know, running my business from, from the country. So while in Germany, I did the same thing I did, um, in St. Lucia, uh, Germany is six hours ahead though, of the East coast of the United States, at least at that time of the year. Um, and so I had a six, six hour head start, um, on work for clients. Uh, so by the time that they actually were getting their day started, I was able to complete items, complete deliverables, respond to emails, again, just as they were getting their day started. Uh, while in Germany, uh, we made time to explore German wine country in uh, of Mosul. Uh, we enjoyed live music, great food, and, and, and of course, great people watching at the Trier Old Town Festival. It was actually the first one they'd had since the pandemic. So that was just a fantastic fantastic uh, festival. I just saw so much. I, of course, being a person that just loved culture and architecture, was um, admiring the buildings and just really taking in not just the larger buildings in, in, in I would call it downtown Trier, but just the residential homes and the uh characteristic german roofs i'm not i'm not sure if it i'm not sure what that design style is but you'll see it uh when you you know i'll probably put a few up on the screen just so you see what i'm i'm speaking of 
So, of course, after my daughter settled into her dorm and, you know, we were able to um, just really also, ex you know, enjoy the town and areas around the town with um, our Airbnb host, who was fantastic. I think she's probably the, her, her, she and her husband, they're both um, um, uh, German citizens. They're born and uh, raised in Germany, um, but they were fantastic. Um, and again, probably the best Airbnb host that we've ever had. Uh, they took us through Mosul and other nearby towns. Uh, they bought us Riesling, like several bottles of Riesling, small bottles and larger bottles. They bought us apple wine. Um, and again, just fantastic guests. Um, they had a beautiful, beautiful backyard and a small garden where their father, who um, the, 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 the the wife's father stays um, and, you know, grows just a wonderful um, array of vegetables. And it was a beautiful, beautiful time to be um, in, I believe, the westernmost side of, of Germany. So again, and the great thing about that trip and every trip that I've gone on is that it solidified my belief. Actually, that trip did it more so than any others. It solidified my belief that we are truly more alike than we are different. So that was certainly one of the great takeaways from that trip. So after Germany, I went on a solo travel adventure to two other countries. Um, so just, you know, if you're enjoying the content, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Just go ahead and, and hit subscribe. So the next time that we release um, an episode, you'll be notified and you can certainly enjoy that. So the first of the two other countries was Barcelona, Spain. I stayed there for eight days. Again, this is a solo trip. Um, so, you know, during the days I, you know, hosted meetings just I, as I would again, if I was working from um, the States, I, you know, completed deliverables, interviewed, actually, I was actually in the middle of interviewing candidates uh, for a part-time executive assistant position. Actually, it hired a recruiting firm who did the initial part of the interviewing. And while I was in Barcelona, I remember receiving the um, emails with the links to where I could watch their initial interviews and then decide who were going to be my top, you know, three to five candidates for a second interview with me. So I do remember doing that in, in Barcelona. I also did a couple other things. Um, I hired one of uh, my longtime contractors, um, CMH and company. She's fantastic. She does a lot of our website stuff. She does a lot of the back end. Um, for a lot of our courses that we host. Um, again, the name of the company, CMH and Company. Um, her name is Christina. Hi, Christina. Christina Hooper, she's fantastic. Highly recommend her. Um, so during meetings, so, you know, of course, after the meetings, I was able, and after all the work, I was able to now explore as much as I can. So top, I would say the top uh, destination on my list was Sagrada Familia. Um, you all can check that out. It's, it is a, I believe they call it one of the wonders of the world. Um, I don't, you know, it's, I, I can't even begin to describe it. It's a very, very, very large structure. Um, it's a church or a cathedral. Um, and what's very interesting about it is that it was never complete. To this day, it's not complete. And they've had different um, architects and designers add certain sections to it. So what's really interesting is that you can see very, very, very different design styles throughout the building. So again, it's called La Sagrada Familia. I also went to Park Guell, uh, which was again, top on, on my list. I went to the Gaudi House Museum, which I believe is in the park and Park Guell. Um, and then I went to Gaudi House and that was also really fantastic. So when, you know, look up some of these uh, uh, destinations, if you'd like, really, really interesting. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, um, what's the word, 
I'm not an, I don't know a lot about architecture and the different design styles and the different periods, but I know what I like. I know what I, I know what is ap appealing to my eye and what I find very interesting. And so absolutely visiting those destinations appealed to my eye and to my interest and to my curiosity. And um, they were just fantastic. Again, I love to explore not just the destination, but the culture, I mean, expressions of the culture within that destination. Uh, some of the other things that I did, um, you know, between work or after work was I walked along the Barceloneta Beach Boardwalk, I guess you would call it the boardwalk, very, very long, a lot of restaurants, enjoyed a fantastic lunch while I watched, you know, people on the beach just, you know, play soccer or just, you know, just enjoy the outdoors, enjoy the, the, you know, the, the sea breeze. Um, I enjoyed, uh, some DJs during a festival on the beach. Um, and of course I learned my way around, um, on their public transportation system. And based on what I was able to see, they really do seem to have a very, very good public transportation system in Barcelona. Um, and so that was just a fantastic experience, uh, visually, culturally, um, did a lot of walking really just, you know, even the, the, the carved pavings, if I, if I call it that, I wouldn't call it pavings, but on the, on the street itself, the sidewalks, um, are decorative. Um, and so not all of them, but in certain areas, it was, it was just interesting to walk on, on these tiled sidewalks. So after leaving Barcelona, I headed to Portugal. Um, I wanted to visit Portugal because um, I'm a fan of a, fa a famous YouTube family who actually moved to Portugal about four years ago. Um, and I remember when they released their video showing their um, their apartment in, in Lisbon. They've since left Lisbon and live in another part of, of Portugal. But that piqued my interest. And ever since, I've said, okay, well, you know, I'd like to check it out. So one of the things that I thought was really in, in interesting um, being here in the States and thinking about the cost to fly from state to state was the unbelievably, um, low prices to travel from country to country. So, um, I think my price from my, my fare from, um, from, from Barcelona to Portugal, and it's not that far of a flight was, I believe it was certainly under a hundred dollars, a hundred euros. I think it was about 79 euros. And I was on, um, you know, a pretty, uh, um, a long established airline. So, uh, so just want to let you all know that that was something that, that, that I found pretty interesting. So at least back then that was the cost. So I, I stayed in a fantastic Airbnb in an, um, an area in Lisbon called Belém, and I chose that area because it's a museum district. Um, and so, and it's also, the, you know, the home of, I believe the Portuguese, uh, president, um, and just a lot of really nice quaint, um, eateries. And so I just, and of course, because it had all of those assets, if you want to call them that in that community, it's a very safe, like most, uh, you know, a good part, a portion of Lisbon. Um, so it was just really uh, fantastic visually. It's also, um, a, a town that, uh, is right next to the, I believe it's called the Tagus river. I don't remember the name of that river, but it just a two block walk away from my Airbnb were at least four museums. Um, I always cite my trip to Lisbon, Portugal as the time I learned, I really, really learned the importance of avoiding mistakes with time zones. Um, because, um, you know, and another mistake I'd learned and another mistake I made was booking meetings on the days that I was traveling. So I literally booked a meeting 
for the same day that I was traveling from Barcelona to Lisbon. And uh, I won't do it again. Um, thankfully, I made the meeting, made the meeting on time. But, you know, did I have as much time to prepare? No, I did not. And that's because, of course, um, you, you know, I, I certainly don't recommend that you uh, book a flight on the same day that you have a meeting. Bad, bad decision. So uh, I didn't realize too that Lisbon was five hours ahead of Eastern Standard Time. Again, at least that part of the time of the year. Um, so Germany and, and and Barcelona were on, I believe, the same time zone. Portugal um, is one hour um, is one hour less. So I had a meeting scheduled with a prospective client, by the way, and just 15 minutes after I'd arrived at the Airbnb was when the meeting was going to start. So I had just enough time to find the Wi-Fi, um, you know, information and password, log in as quickly as I could, um, and, you know, had a meeting. It actually went very well. Um, but, you know, and several months later, actually, that particular prospect turned to my firm to provide a, a grant-related service. I ended up referring them to another firm that I thought was a better fit. But I guess the point I'm making here is that, uh, number one, don't do what I did. And number two, um, you know, even when you're flustered and you're working also while traveling, you can, of course, you know, pull it together, get the resources you need and host successful meetings. And we can all do that now because we have the internet, we have working Wi-Fi, and all of that technology is, of course, what makes this possible. Uh, so just as I did previously, I took advantage of the time zone difference for the remaining seven days that I was in Portugal. I, you know, provided whatever de deliverables I needed to provide, responded to emails, hosted meetings. And then after I was finished, I would close my laptop and then I would participate in, in, in walking tours. One fantastic walking tour that I recommend to anyone that wants to, that visits uh, Lisbon is the uh, African history tour. Um, and that was where I learned about Portugal's not much discussed history as the most active European country in the transatlantic slave trade. Uh, if you ever watch that video where they show all the ships that went from um, the continent of Africa um, to the various uh, destinations in the Caribbean in the, and in the, Amer in the Americas and of course the South America, you see just how many ships were going to Brazil. And all of, of course, we know that you know Portugal was um, the country that, um, that uh, you know, of course, transported uh, many of the Africans from Africa to Brazil. That's of course why they speak Portuguese in Brazil. So let's not be surprised about any of that. Um, I also was able to enjoy meals at local restaurants. One of my favorites was Miolo, um, and this was in 2022. Interestingly, when I went back in, this year in 2023 to uh, Lisbon, I went back to Miolo, and the the, um, um, the one of the servers there recognized me, and she was just fantastic, very, very warm. Um, you know, there were times, uh, one or two times when I arrived and it was a long line, she would kind of see me back there, and she'd kind of give me that preferential treatment because we had great conversations and she was just a fantastic server. And I, of course, was a fantastic um, uh, guest or, or customer. So, um, so in August, 2022, uh, you know, we're now leaving uh, Portugal. And now two months later, I decided to travel to Mexico. Um, this time I didn't travel solo and I'd actually hired an executive assistant by that time. Um, and so we decided to stay in Playa del Carmen. Um, and Playa del Carmen is a, a seaside, I guess we call it a seaside town, one of the beach towns 
um, that's between Tulum and, and Cancun. It's a beautiful um, town um, and it just really, I just had a really nice vibe. And um, I remember when we first arrived and we stayed at a, a fantastic resort. Uh, it just was nice to just leave the resort uh, property, go for a really long walk. Uh, it's just, again, the vibe in Playa del Carmen uh, was, was just fantastic, felt right at home. Uh, so while I was in Playa del Carmen, I now, of course, as I said, had a new executive assistant, my first executive assistant, in fact, uh, that meant I was onboarding an employee. I was training her. I was delegating tasks and just getting used to um, that kind of uh, give and take of that relationship and, and building the foundation of what turned out to be a fantastic relationship. And of course, you know, the team building. So while she and I were the only two employees of the company, we of course still worked with contractors. So there is still a team building element that is happening with both staff and of course, external contractors. And I did all of this in between trips to uh, one of the many cenotes in Yucatan, Mexico. I don't remember the name of the cenote, but it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Uh, for those of you who are not aware, a cenote is a natural sinkhole that reveals underground water pools formed by limestone caves over thousands and thousands and thousands of years. If you want to look it up, it's C-E-N-O-T-E. -E. Uh, if you just want to look up Mexican cenotes, I believe there are thousands of them in the country. And, and cenotes um, are very, very popular tourist destinations. Um, no matter, I would say, in, I'm not sure if it's throughout the country, but they are definitely very popular in the Cancun, Playa del Carmen, Tulum, um, you know, in sort of those areas. I'm not sure about the Pacific side of, of, of Mexico. Uh, I also was able to visit Chichen Itza. It's an amazing pyramid and site of other Mayan, it's a Mayan pyramid and also the site of other Mayan ruins, you know, temples, a really, really large field. Uh, I, you, I would describe it as a football field, but it was much longer than a football field. It was certainly not for football. It was for a game that the Mayans played. Um, um, and, and it was just an amazing experience and just a lot of things on that property that I wish I'd had more time to explore. I also took a day trip to Isla Mujeres, um, and Isla Mujeres is an island off the coast of Cancun. Uh, lots of restaurants, uh, you know, you know, really, really um, popular beach, and so we enjoyed um, an evening in Isla Mujeres. So in January 2023, and I know I'm going from country to country pretty quickly because I want to make sure I make the most of my time and just share a little bit about the destinations I've had an opportunity to um, explore as an entrepreneur and because I was an entrepreneur. Uh, so just wanted to, you know, share, share my experience and hopefully inspire you. If you've always wanted to travel, um, you don't necessarily have to become an entrepreneur to do so. Um, just know that, you know, I'm just sharing some examples of where I've been. And if you want to travel and you want to do so as an entrepreneur, um, my experience can certainly be one of the many experiences. We also have to remember that there are people who are digital nomads. They literally, uh, that's what they do. They are, you know, traveling in different parts of the world. They may live in Thailand for three months while they're working. They may live in Bali, Indonesia. They may live on a Caribbean island or a Hawaii, wherever it is that they want to live. 
and they are, you know, basically being nomadic in their, in their, in their lives. Um, and of course they're doing it while they're working. So some of your colleagues could be digital nomads. So just wanted to make sure that, you know, what I'm doing, of course, is very, very, uh, it's, it's nowhere near the mobility, um, and nomadic life, lifestyle of digital nomads. And they're called to call that because of course they can work digitally. They can all, they can use our technology, this technology to do that. So in January, 2023, we're now in an, another destination. I attended the return on investment conference hosted by hello seven in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, and that was an amazing conference hosted by, um, uh, the, the company founded by Rachel Rogers. It was the first year that she hosted the conference. It was extremely inspirational, uh, motivational, um, educational, informational. Uh, it's, it was all the alls, right? It was just a great experience. Uh, so to, to go to the conference and to, uh, you know, of course work while I was at the conference, um, and doing other things, um, in Puerto Rico, I booked an Airbnb in Condado and Condado is an oceanfront pedestrian friendly community. Um, that's known as San Juan's ritziest, uh, neighborhood. Uh, but I booked an Airbnb. Several of the conference attendees were staying at, you know, one or two or three of the, um, uh, hotels that were recommended. I like to do the Airbnb and, and I'm sure you guys know why. Number one, um, it's a way to sort of embed yourself into the community. Uh, number two, I like having uh, a full kitchen. I eat a very specific diet because I have certain sensitivities. So I like to have a full kitchen. I like to go to the store. I like to first find the store, go to the store and then find the eateries, the breakfast items, all the things that I know that, um, um, that I want to eat. Um, and it's also, again, another reason, another way to see the cost of food in the destination, the variety of food that's in the destination. Um, the, you know, some of the things that may be imported from the United States that may be familiar to me, some of the things that are very specific to that country. It's a great way for me to at least, uh, learn a little bit more about, um, the, you know, the, you know, the taste, the, um, a little bit about the cuisine of the, of the destination. So was able to do that. Um, and I want to point out that when I was in Puerto Rico, I was also, I was managing my grant compliance business and everything that that involved. I was also hosting a cohort in the ready, set, go consult coaching program. I may have mentioned to you all before, uh, well, I know I have mentioned it before, uh, that I host a co coaching program for early stage consultants and early stage freelancers who want to, you know, learn what it takes to take their business to the next level. They've, you know, launched their business. Um, they have maybe one client, uh, their delivery is still a little clunky. Their way the, the way that they get leads is still, it hasn't been fully formed. Um, they haven't, they don't know how to properly, uh, they haven't fully operationalized the business. Um, and so we provide them with, uh, knowledge, with tools, with templates, with coaching, to make sure that they can take their business to the next level to really grow their business. And of course, even scale their business. Um, and we do that using, um, uh, something called our, a framework we've, we developed called the catch framework. I say we, but it's me. Um, it's the catch framework and we let them know what the catch framework is once they join the program. So 
I was doing all of those things while I was in Puerto Rico, but of course still found time to enjoy the country. Um, I actually remember the stress of writing and delivering one of our most labor intensive services. Um, it's a pretty detailed uh, consulting report. It's, you know, a 50 to 70 page report. Um, and you know, it, it's, it was a very intensive, um, uh, service and we provided only in limited, uh, situations, but, uh, it's, you know, very well received by our clients. And, but I do remember having to, to deliver the final stages of that particular report for one of our clients. But while I was there, I was still able to enjoy local restaurants. Um, that's part of the reason why I chose that particular in the, that Airbnb, because it was surrounded by so many fantastic restaurants. I went to a local beach. We played in a lake next to a small park and just took a, a you know, a nap right in the grassy area. It was just a fantastic, calm, wonderful way to enjoy an afternoon. We went caving. Um, it was the very first time I'd been caving. It was a three to four hour adventure. Fantastic experience. Wouldn't do it again. Uh, it included exploring caves once inhabited by the Tainos, which of course are the indigenous people of Puerto Rico. A great, fantastic experience. I hope you're seeing how with every uh, destination, while I am, you know, enjoying restaurants like everyone else does, I'm also trying to fit in an activity or two or five where I'm able to actually really uh, observe or take in something about the terrain or about the landscape or about the culture or, or museums um, or a bookshop, you know, whatever it is, um, I really try to make sure that that's a, a core part of uh, the activities that we, that either I do as a solar, solo traveler or, uh, you know, when I travel with others. So I also enjoyed several strolls in old San Juan, just a beautiful, 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 um, um, historic town, highly recommended, beautiful pastel buildings, all the things you see, um, in the pictures. And if you haven't looked at the pictures, go ahead and Google them. Um, I enjoyed amazing gelato at Anita gelato in old San Juan. I just had to remind, I just had to say that one cause it was fantastic, both the gelato and of course the, 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 the gelato shop itself. Um, we did some salsa dancing in La Placita de, de Santurce, de, de Santurce. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, and we both watched salsa dancing in the middle of the street, right? It was just dancing in the middle of the street. And then we also went into one of the bars and was, you know, danced in there as well. We spent several hours in Loisa and it's a seaside town in Puerto Rico where much of the black, uh, where much of, uh, Puerto Rico's black culture is very, very evident and in, and in fact also celebrated something you don't hear much about. One of the reasons why Loisa and some of these destinations were top of mind for me goes back again to when I used to, um, you know, search, um, and populate the sea currents database. That's when I learned about Louisa, when I learned about so many of these destinations and I actually wrote several blog articles about them. So it's just amazing to be able to go and visit these places, um, to not just um, have them as a, you know, a place I would like to visit one day, but have actually visited it. But I actually learned about it because I was willing to do the, the, the research, the find the information. And, you know, that became uh, a reality for me. So, um, it's just, you know, I'm just kind of actually, as I'm recording this episode, connecting the link between all the research I did to knowing, oh, there is this place in Puerto Rico called Luisa where you can go and you know, enjoy, uh, Puerto Rico's, um, black culture, more, more dominant black 
part of their black culture because black culture is actually throughout Puerto Rico. We don't hear much about it, but it's throughout, uh, you know, the salsa. Much of that, of course, is, is black culture. Um, and then, of course, Jamaica is one of those destinations where I've been able to visit more than once and work while enjoying the destination. I've been um, um, into to Jamaica on a number of types of trips. So I've been on a short four-day trip where I didn't do much working because that was over the weekend and into the early part of the week. I've done a week-long trip when I was a solo um, entrepreneur. I've even spent a month-long, I've even had a month-long trip when, uh, and it was when I actually had a team to support the firm's work. So I, I'm almost certain that having the team was part of the reason why I was able to stay there for a month and just keep everything going. And that was a fantastic experience. Lisbon is the second destination that I visited more than once, most recently in June of 2023. And um, as I'm speaking, you should be seeing some pictures as I'm speaking or a little after uh, with some of the places uh, we were able to visit. So it was also an opportunity to see more of the country. I was a participant in a FIRE program. FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. I was in a program hosted by that same couple that actually moved to Portugal who achieved FIRE and again, moved to Portugal three to four years ago. Uh, we did stay in Lisbon um, and I was able to again visit Miolo um, in, in, in uh, Belém, M-I-O-L-O. I also went to Cascais. Uh, it's a coastal resort town with uh, sandy beaches, marinas, restaurants, uh, bars, just a beautiful um, coastal town. Very, it's a different energy from Lisbon, uh, clearly. It's a coastal town. Uh, and it was there in Cascais that I had to quickly find a co-working spot for a quick meeting. A meeting had to, I had to have a meeting. So what do I do? I quickly Google um, co-working, um, you know, co-working locations near me. I'm in Cascais, and of course the Googles, right? They know where I am, and then they recommend a couple of co-working spots. I was able to figure out which one had the better ratings. Looked at some of the other details. Quickly called an Uber to that co-working spot, hosted the meeting, and then went back to meet my my the person that I'd actually traveled to Cascais with. So, just an example of how technology um, is allowing me to be able to, um, you know, not just travel and work, but also travel and work, and then adapt and find you know other resources while I'm in this new country and then be able to get back to enjoying the country. We also had dinner at the popular Ponto Final, a restaurant in Almada. It's popular because um, you guys may remember that show No Reservations. Um, I can't remember the, uh, the, the host's name, uh, but he was a beloved host and unfortunately he, he passed away several years ago. But he'd gone to Ponto Final, that he, that he put that restaurant on the map and as a result, it is a very, very popular restaurant in Lisbon. It's actually across from Lisbon in a, in a town called Almada. Um, and so we stood in line for two hours to get to Ponto Final and the dinner was worth it. Okay. It really was worth the two hour wait. Um, we, and actually it's right by the water. It's just a fantastic location. And that's what, why, why it's of course called Ponto Final. We caught the ferry from Lisbon to Almada several times. And that the second time we were able to, um, you know, um, while I did that, of course, I hosted meetings, um, including sales meetings while I was in an area called Costa de Caparica, which I believe is a town um, in Almada. Um, and several of these destinations, again, I really, really want to revisit and enjoy even more. But I do remember hosting, I believe, four meetings my final day 
um, in, 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 um, in, in the Lisbon area, because of course we were in Costa Caparica, right by the beach, many, many beaches, actually, I believe there are 12 beaches. I may be wrong. Don't quote me on the number, um, in Costa Caparica. So just wanted to, you know, share a little bit about my most recent experience, um, in, in Portugal. Again, it is, uh, I don't know if I will be going back to Portugal not likely. Um, but there are, you know, certainly other, um, uh, destinations that I have planned. Uh, but the fact is, again, I can work, uh, travel and work from anywhere. And I, I, one of the reasons I started the business was to be able to do that. I, I want more time to explore the culture. When I travel, I want more time to explore the food, the museums, and so much more. And I do want to point out that these trips likely would not have been possible if I didn't decide to become an entrepreneur who runs an online business. Of course, it's very different from an entrepreneur who decides to open up a cupcake shop. You can still do it, but you, you know, may have to close down the shop or hire someone to manage the shop while you're gone. But an online entrepreneur means that all I need is a laptop, stable Wi-Fi, and a well-managed calendar, right? So that's it. Um, in order to do this well, you also need to have the flexibility to be available for clients while also the desire to explore the destination. Um, so I enjoy interacting with clients and, you know, future clients. And so I make sure that we prioritize those meetings and we put them and we schedule them, um, at a time that makes sense for the other things that I want to do while I'm in, at the destination. I also have the independence to decide when and where to travel. As I mentioned in my episode, when we talked about the empty nest and the full life, I no longer have to book any vacations around, you know, when the school year starts or when the school year ends, I can book a trip in the middle of September if I wanted to. Um, and that again is, is the independence that I absolutely enjoy. And this actually takes us back to the reasons I mentioned at the top of the show for why many people decide to become entrepreneurs, passion, flexibility, independence and autonomy, and of course, financial potential. So some of you may be wondering, where am I going next? Well, I, I do plan on visiting, visiting several African countries. Uh, I do plan on, of course, making it to Southeast Asia and to South America. Um, so, you know, the, the travels will continue. I also want to point out that I have a blog, um, where I share my lessons learned while working from anywhere. And there were certainly some lessons. One of them I did share earlier, and that was around making sure that you're really, really, um, um, you know, paying very close attention to the time zone differences. Um, and, and, you know, just making sure that you're not missing meetings or showing up late for meetings. Um, but all of those lesson learned, lessons learned are on the ready, set, go consult website on the blog page. It's ready set goalconsult.com. Um, and if you're interested in becoming a freelancer or a consultant, I also have a free downloadable ebook and even a, a masterclass you can watch. You can watch it while you're washing dishes or doing some other work around the house. Um, so just know that that information is there. If you ever decide that you wanted to actually explore entrepreneurship as a part of your life redesign. So this is where I leave you with a quote, and this time it's about travel, not necessarily about aging, because travel is something that we can all enjoy no matter um, our age. And this quote is from Ray Bradbury. Yes, that Ray Bradbury, the author of the uber popular Fahrenheit 451. I've actually read it. Um, and it, you know, there, you know, so definitely pick that up if you'd like. And here is the quote, and I really, really enjoy this one. Half of the fun of the travel is the aesthetic of lostness. 
And I, and, and that is half of the fun. You know, when we were going from Lisbon to Almada or to different parts of Puerto Rico or different parts of Jamaica or different areas in, in, in St. Lucia, it was about the aesthetic of lostness, right? I didn't know where I was, but that in and of itself is exciting. Just there's so much to see. It's almost like being a child. One of the things I always say is that one of the wonders, one of the things about being a child is that you're still amazed at so many things that are happening. So of course I couldn't agree with that quote more. Uh, with that, I'll end this episode, but not before I ask you to subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and family. Until the next episode, remember, age has no limit.